Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man, Demon Cotton, he's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio right now, and joining us on the phone lines is my brother from another mother. That's Stephen Foster, host of Laying Down the Law on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1. And, Foss, I appreciate your time this afternoon. Of course, we're getting amped up. We're getting excited about this upcoming weekend. Cliff Branch gets enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I know you personally have a really good relationship with Cliff Branch. Branch and you have a really good memories of Cliff Branch and I just wanted you to be on the show today to to talk about why so uh, growing up growing up as a young man you had an opportunity to, to meet and greet with Cliff Branch and, and take that relationship to a whole different level. You first of all in, in Raider Nation much much love uh, it, it is uh, a treat you know for a kid growing up in Texas you know we pretty much knew the Cowboys however a little dusty kid from El Paso, Texas, gets one of the biggest treats as uh, my mom had met Cliff out and I guess explained that there was this guy, her son, who enjoyed football. And he graciously said, well, you know, Barbara, let me, let me, you know, see what he can do. And he literally took me in the backyard and got the football out and told me about pinkies below the belt thumbs above the belt and just spent, you know, in that sun out there in El Paso, known as the Sun City, in the backyard, making sure I knew how to catch a football. And you would think then, okay, hook, line, and sinker. That was great. Could watch him on the, on the tube, do all that as, as an impressionable kid. But he does it one better. The next time he comes back to the house, and I don't know how he did this because I don't know why he would be in El Paso, but the great Clarence Davis, the former SC product, is with him the second time. Now, I think maybe Cliff realized I played running back. I'm not sure, but <laughs> in his ingenious, he brings Clarence Davis, who tells me how to hold, notch the football, put it in the, under that arm, don't let it go and get upfield and make moves, and then showing me how to also catch the football. One of them going into the Hall of Fame, not around, very sad, just like the great Ken Stabler, uh, Cliff Branch, who caught a lot of receptions from him, and Jim Plunkett, and yep. Jim, I'm sure, will be there, uh, will not be in attendance. But Clarence Davis, I hope you will be there, because I couldn't thank him enough for – talking to a little seven, eight-year-old kid and, and taking the time uh, when they didn't have to right. as professional football athletes, especially in the Raiders in the 70s, uh, mid-70s, and like that to, to make such an impression. And, and I'll be crying when, <laughs> when, when the speeches and, and everything uh, go up cliff uh, just because I, I wouldn't be the football player that I was and, and – and, just the, the 
all the accolades and things that I was fortunate to be a part of without Cliff and, and then Clarence Davis. Yeah, and, I mean, some of those accolades, Steve, and let's not be modest here. I mean, you know, you turn that 7- and 8-year-old kid that was talking to Cliff Branch and Clarence Davis, and you end up going to Princeton to be a running back, right, and get a hell of an education. I mean, how big of an impression did they make on you, and how much did that kind of help push you into who you became? Well, I tell you, and I appreciate that, and, and it was awesome because I got to play with a guy who's got three Super Bowl rings and uh, my football uh roommate and Jason Garrett. So yeah. you talked about a guy that has the connection to to NFL football, like him or not. But prior to that, and you know this because you lived in Texas long enough yeah. to understand Friday Night Lights. And with that inspiration, and you know how hard it is to be a district, you know, all district, to be a leading rusher in your district, to be a leading rusher in your area to be all area, to play in the state playoff games, in the stadiums we play. I lost my last high school game against Odessa Permian. Yes, the same team that they did the book and the movie on, we had played three years prior to those guys uh, showing up on the TV series and the movie. So it was a huge impact for the next 10 years, just in that very house that I grew up in, and then – also having the opportunity, yes, to be a starter at Princeton, unfortunately get hurt right. in a car accident, but then to be able to come back with the knowledge and be a grad assistant for three years for the University of Nebraska, three conference championships in the Big 8 and the national championship in 94. I think you did pretty well for yourself, Steve. I'm just going to go out here on a limb. And I think you <laughs> That's what, that, that's what Raiders do. They make a just win, baby. You right. Know, commitment to excellence. A commitment to excellence. And I will never forget that phraseology, whether you are or are not from Al Davis. A commitment to excellence is something that you can take with you on or off a of football field. No doubt about it. Again, we're talking with Steve Foster right now here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. So you mentioned getting a little emotional. You mentioned, uh, you know, uh, shedding a tear or two when they start talking about Cliff. And, you know, he's going to go second to last. And uh, Mark Davis is going to present him. And I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, what will it mean, Steve? I mean, you were there last year for Coach Flores. You were there last year for Charles Woodson. What will it mean while you're sitting there and you're watching this whole enshrinement and unfold for Cliff Branch and, and, and given the stories that you've told about? already I hope I feel the presence of a guy like that you know he's a Texan he grew right. up in Houston yeah. with the Houston Worthing High School uh, you know so there's an interesting cool link and he played Texas high school football now at his day you know they had the PVIL league the Prairie Interscholastic League because most black student athletes didn't have the integration as they were coming up at that point, unfortunately. However, you know, that's still a tremendous league and respected, especially by black student-athletes in Texas. But I just want to, you know, a guy who was willing to take time from me right. to, to know that somebody can plant a seed. And I didn't know he was going to be a three-time Super Bowl champ. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All I knew is that little old Steve Foster, who liked and loved this game of football, was being taught by a guy I saw on TV who could run faster than the wind and 
catch a touchdown pass and outrace everybody and make it look as easy as he was doing in the backyard in El Paso, Texas. No, no doubt about it. Again, we're talking with Steve Foster here on Radio Nation Radio 920. You know, we were just talking to Van McElroy a little while ago. He obviously played with uh, Cliff Branch, won a Super Bowl with him, and he was saying that not only could he take the top off the defense, Steve, but really that quick in slant was his, his, his best play, you know, for multiple reasons, just what he was able to do with the ball once he got it in his hand. You're a guy who studied – football you're a guy who's played football you're a guy who's coached football uh when you have a difference maker like that in a a cliff branch what does that what does that do for your team okay so let me tell you this one that everyone forgets you know because of the running back position marcus allen is my guy right i can swear by marcus well as todd christensen says as the and i get choked up when the announcer says, there goes Marcus Allen running into the net. Cliff Branch was downfield blocking for Marcus against another Texan, Daryl Green, mm-hmm. that Marcus outran 74 yards. It was a shellacking of Washington. Won me some money against my physics teacher. He was willing to bet me. <laughs> <laughs> I took that 20 like there was no tomorrow. And that's one of those unselfish plays. Yeah. That Cliff Branch, if you watch that highlight, 17 Bob Trey O is the play that Marcus started to the right, cuts back to the left, and the rest is history. The longest touchdown in Super Bowl history to that point. Um, He was a complete person. That was unselfish. Now, when he took the top off against the Eagles in the Superdome in 1980, Kenny King also doing his thing. You know, you got to see those exploits. But, yes, he was a guy, and Jerry Rice ran that route, but Jerry didn't have the speed. He had the discipline in the route. Right. But Cliff Branch had both. It's awesome. It really is. I love hearing you break it down and, uh, you know, just break, that, break down the <laughs> you nuances. You've been waiting all my life for this, man. I mean, I didn't know. But <laughs> if I got the chance, here I go. I'm not going to mess it up. Right. No, you're, you're right. And we talked about it last year. You know, we talked about it when we were there in Canton, Ohio together. It was like, hey, I don't know if we're going to be coming back anytime soon. Don't know if and when Cliff's going to get in. We knew he should be in, but didn't know right. if and when he was going to get in. And we're just so blessed and honored that he's going to get in this year. And, you know, I'm excited to see how everything shakes out. And, you know, Lester Hayes is another Texan. Uh, he's yes. a guy who I believe should be in. He's a guy who just yes. missed the finalist cut this, this year for next year. But, I mean, even Lester Hayes, I know you – you saw plenty of Lester as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on him and, and, and if he should be in the Hall of Fame or not? Lester definitely ought to be. And someone said, if nothing else, for the stick'em. Right. So that's a whole, you know, for, for, the, for the youth movement, YouTube, Google stick'em. And between <laughs> he and Fred Belitnikoff, they were the masters. I want to say one other thing about Cliff, which is so serendipitous. You know the relationship that I've also formed with the great Drew Pearson. Yeah. And that it took him 38 years to get in. Drew came on our show and told us that he was the one that actually stood up in the senior committee for Cliff. Mm. So it was just warming the heart that the people that I've had real relationships are sharing and supporting one another in one of the greatest museums, you know, on the planet, if not, you know, in the United States uh, of, of all. And, and if you love this game, 
and you remember the voice of John Facenda and all yeah. that, and you get that, you know, the, you know, the Raiders and, you know, the November went and get You know, we all know it. I mean, it just wires us up. As Raiders fans, it's it's a moment that, you know, you can't really describe if you haven't been a part of it. But being a fan, and if you never played, Raider Nation is just special. It's different. It is. It really is. And that's a hell of a nugget that you dropped about Drew Pearson because there's always, you know, a lot of controversy about if Drew should have got in first, Cliff should have got in. To know that Drew stood up and represented and talked for on behalf of Cliff Branch, I think that's pretty powerful right there. Unbelievably powerful. And you're talking about two guys that made their marks in the Super Bowl and all throughout the regular season and playoffs. And Roger Staubach said he wouldn't be who he was without Drew Pearson. And I don't believe the Snake or Jim Plunkett would be who they were without Cliff Branch. Right. I agree. Taking I... nothing away from Fred Belitnikoff. Right. Taking nothing away from the great Fred Belitnikoff. No, or no Dave doubt. Casper, who, who made the catch against Baltimore in Memorial Stadium, because my dad was from Baltimore, broke his heart. <laughs> Over the shoulder chats, I'm like, Dad, I told you, I'll beat you again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, as a little snotty-nosed 11-year-old, you know? Right. <laughs> Tell you what, man, I'm not mad, man. And this is why, you know, we, we do what we do on the daily, is having having these kind of moments where we can share these kind of memories and these kind of stories and, and just reminisce and think about what is and then know what's coming up this upcoming weekend so uh, i'm flying in tomorrow morning bright and early i'll be there when do you when do you land in canton thursday okay and so just a little bit after you uh in days however i'm bringing all my 1977 tops raiders cards and if i can find anybody or anyone from those time frames (laughs) i'm gonna try to get them autographed man i'm not even playing it was a set that I built by hand, nice. buying 25-cent packs with those flat sticks of gum, Yep. one by one, till I got the whole entire NFL, and I've got all the Raiders, and hopefully there's a couple few around that may sign up the football card for Steve Foster. Well, I'll tell you what, there's going to be plenty of former Raiders in attendance, man, so you have a really good chance, and you know how we get down. <laughs> we find ourselves a part of everything throughout the course of the weekend, and especially you. You know you'll be places that I probably won't be. Hell, you might be on stage representing for, for, for Raider Nation for all I know. <laughs> you know, if I get the chance, I, I, y'all know I will do my level best. I will have, I'll be exuding Raiders. In fact, I have a special Pro Football Hall of Fame T-shirt I will display once I get to 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 the state of Ohio for you. There I got you go. one for you. I, uh, you know, I got. I, I've been waiting for this one. I <laughs> know that's right. Well, Steve, thanks so much for your time, my man. It's it's great to catch up with you as always. I'll see you in Absolutely. person in a couple days, and we'll catch up some yeah. more. But thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Hey, I appreciate it, Q. And I want to get back to Allegiant Stadium to be able to support the Raiders here, uh, hopefully in the upcoming season. Um, You do a fantastic job. Thanks to technology, I get to listen to you uh, and not be uh, in Vegas. Uh, You do a heck of a job. Uh, You've been consistent. You've been excellent. And I appreciate the time and the invitation. No doubt about it, my man. Appreciate you. Appreciate the kind words. Catch up with you soon. There he goes. Great. 
That's my guy, Steve Foster right there, laying down the law. He's the host of the show on the San Antonio Sports Star ESPN 94.1. You can find Foss on Twitter at Foss underscore sports. And, uh, yeah, you want to talk about a dude who's had my back since day one, that's that guy right there, Stephen Foster. Much thanks to him and his time. And some stories right there, huh? I mean, telling you, man, you just never know what kind of stories you're going to get and who you're going to get them from. But back-to-back great conversations about the late, great Cliff Branch, who will be enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this upcoming Saturday. 416 is the time. We'll get back to some calls and texts straight off the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200 and also the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword r This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness. The Judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. S-Y-Q, of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Hopefully that's the next one that gets put into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Talking about the great Lester Hayes has joined us on the show many times and I thought about reaching out to Lester and getting him on the show and I just I feel bad because I know he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame and I hate talking about someone else going into the Hall when he's not going into the Hall next year like I thought there was a good chance of him being able to but at some point hopefully the Pro Football Hall of Fame voters get it right and get Lester Hayes into the Hall and hopefully they get him in sooner rather than later, uh, 702-365-9200. That's the Raider Nation listener line. Also, we got the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Got a text from Rob in Oakland. He said, no recep- no cell reception in my building. I got to be quick and get back to work. One, I think we can get the audio stream of the game directly from Compass Media Networks. They've already put Raiders vs. Jaguars August 4, 2022. Announcers Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy on the streaming site. That's sports.compassmedianetworks.com. And then he also says, two, Despite the way it's reported, I think Sue Robinson is not the arbitrator. She's officially the NFL disciplinary officer. I believe Goodell ends up being the actual arbitrator if there's an appeal. I'm still working out the details here. And thank you, Rob, for that text. And, yeah, that's the deal. If the NFL does, in fact, decide to appeal, I mean, it's all on Roger. It's all on Roger. He's the, you know, he's the the end-all, be-all, even though they made it, you know, look like that they went outside the building, and they did. They went outside the, uh, you know, the NFL to to get the the disciplinary uh, officer, like you mentioned. Uh, But at the end of the day, if they do decide to appeal, then it'll be all on him. Now, I just don't know if they're going to appeal. You know, I I thought that they would already uh, appeal, and we're talking about the suspension of Deshaun Watson. Uh, It just is really strange from everything that Sue Robinson said in her report and then have it translate into a six-game suspension really seemed strange to me. But uh, apparently that's for people that are smarter than us. We don't know what's going on, and apparently they do. So we'll see what ends up happening. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Again, 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Dave in Denver. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q. Uh, So if uh, Roger Goodell says three more games, so make it nine, what is the process of the NFLPA? Do they do they have to sue? Is that their only way to do it? Or can they appeal to and get one game knocked off of that and then kind of everybody's happy at eight? I th- thank you for the call. I appreciate you. Yeah, and I, th- I think that that's what happens. I'm not 100% sure, but I do believe that the NFLPA would do- decide to try to uh, appeal that as well. And uh, you're 
and you remember all the uh, appeals and the back and forth with the Tom Brady situation. Hell, even the Zeke Elliott situation uh, when he kept going and they ended up going to the court and, and like real big court. And it was just it ended up becoming a mess. I just don't know if the NFL is going to file that appeal. I, I really don't. I, well, I'm, do they want the tail to wag the dog here to keep it away from the focus on Miami or the focus on uh, the guy in, in Washington or the focus even on Mark Davis. I mean, at some point, you know, there's going to be like a figurehead spear of the big part of the news in the NFL that it'll be interesting to play out, but hopefully all of it is way more interesting than whatever happened, you know, in <laughs> Vegas and they just leave Mark alone. Hey, I want to go ahead and say that the, uh, the most interesting thing for me to watch this game is going to be who's returning kicks. Yes. I thought that DJ Turner would be returning punts. I'm sure that Renfro won't be. So whoever's returning kicks and, and mostly the special team stuff, because let's face it, a lot of those guys, no matter what you see on offensive, defensive lines or, or linebackers or whatever, that's where the, these guys are really going to be making the squad. Yep. Yeah, on special teams. Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. I was I was going off, didn't realize he was still on on, uh, on the phone line. My bad, Raider Dave. He's like, man, I wish Q would shut up. But, uh, yeah, th- thank you for the call. And, uh, yeah, it, it's – it's interesting to me when it comes to the Deshaun Watson suspension that immediately the next day they come out with the Dolphins uh, and all their punishments. I don't think that that was a coincidence at all. I think that they were trying to you know, get rid of a little bit of the stench that was left over from the Deshaun Watson uh, suspension or lack of suspension, to be 100% honest about the situation. So we'll see how it shakes out. But all conversations today, as I'm sitting in my house, I'm looking at TV, Dolphins fine, lose draft picks after NFL investigation. Everything today has been about Dolphins, 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 Dolphins. Almost like the Deshaun Watson situation wasn't even a situation. right? So I don't think that they, uh, they did – did that on accident. Let's put it like that. Thank you for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. And special teams is definitely something to pay attention to Thursday night. Again, 702-365-9200. DeMond, who'd you say is up next? Raider Mac. Raider Mac, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Q? You guys have a safe flight, man. Uh, yep. I know DeMond got to hold it down, but uh, I, I went to uh, Tim Brown's in, introduction in 2015. Nice. So, uh Anybody, the Hall of Fame is great, man. I don't know if you've been before. I, well, yeah, you were there last year. But yep. when you go inside and look all them busts, man, it's incredible, man. Them Super Bowl rings and all the the, the um, all the stuff that's in there, man. It, it, it's a great. I, I tell anybody that loves football should take a trip there, even if even if it, it just to to visit. Hey, um, I, Q, I, I'm calling you, man. Uh, what's up with the? Why we haven't? Hunter Renfro as a punt returner. I, I mean, I understand in the playoffs, but you can't afford to lose this guy. Having we we haven't found anybody that can return punts, and you asked the question regarding the kickoff the last time, and that was Jacoby Ford. When's the last punt returner besides Tim Brown? Do you do you think anybody else? Great, a great question, great question, and that that's yeah, that's. Uh, part of that conversation, you know, I mean, the, the special teams unit as far as return games hasn't been really there for the Raiders. You know, as you mentioned, Tim Brown was really the, the go-to guy when it came to punt return, you know, and uh, that's that's wild, right? Hunter Renfro, I know that they have him there, and he does really well, but I'm with you. I don't think that he's going to be a guy that they have out there uh, very often returning punts. I just don't think the, the risk uh, – yeah, I don't think the reward is worth the risk, right? He's just too valuable to the offense to put him out there consistently. Now, maybe uh, – uh, in a in a moment, big time game, or if you want to make sure that you uh, you know get, you get that your hands on the ball like a, a fair catch. If you want to make sure that the the ball is caught, 
sometimes you can send send Hunter Renfro back there, similar to what they did with Tim Brown later in his career. Remember, Tim Brown was an older player, a much older player, and they're like, Tim, go back there and catch the ball. They didn't have to return it. All he had to do was make sure he caught it and fair caught it and, uh, you know, secure the possession. So I can see Hunter doing that as well. So maybe that will be one of the biggest keys to pay attention to starting Thursday night is watching the return game, both the kickoff return and the punt return. Because, again, I'm, I'm with you, man. I don't really want to see Hunter Renfro out there in harm's way when you know that he could be super valuable to this Josh McDaniels-led offense. Let's get one more call in, uh, 702-365-9200. Who's up next, Amon? Bernard. Bernard, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q, I just want to say a couple of things about um, about Cliff Branch, man. When I heard he was getting to the Hall of Fame, I was uh, I was happy, and I was kind of angry at the same time because I wish he was still here to, to appreciate that that honor. And I just had a question. Well, I just something crossed my mind about the reverence that the Raiders they don't seem to get get it as much as I think the accolades that they should get. You know, just throughout the history of, of football. And I bought this book when I was like 10 years old. You can look it up. It's called The Great Receivers of the NFL. Mm -hmm. And it came out in like 1975. I was about 10 years old or so. And I I wanted to be Cliff Branch so bad. And it's a chapter on about eight receivers. And Cliff Branch has the first chapter. And um, it's Cliff Branch, Harold Jackson, Riley Odoms, Charlie Taylor, Otis Taylor, Bob Tucker, Paul Warfield, and Gene Washington. And the the chapter of Cliff Branch it's amazing, and I just wonder, like, what what did he have to do to get into the Hall of Fame? If you look at his stats and put him up against, you know, the Star Wars, uh, Lynn Swan, and it's, it's just like he had three Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. And one more thing, I went to elementary school in Oakland. I grew up in Oakland. We used to have a tennis court at the end of our uh, our um, playground. Yeah, and. Cliff Branch would come there and play tennis, man. And so back in those days, you would see those guys all around town. Yeah. So that's one of my, my greatest memories of him. And he would come there and play tennis. He was a great athlete. And I just I just wish he was here to, to, to get those those flowers, just like Stabler. But, you know, it's just it's just something about the Raiders, man. They, they kind of hold them back for whatever reason. Um, you know, we all Raider fans. We love him. I just wish he was here to enjoy that with the rest of his family. That's all I had to say. Thanks. Hey, great call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. And that's a cool little nugget right there about Cliff playing tennis uh, at your school, man. That's awesome. And, yeah, man, it's, it's something about the hall. It's something about, you know, Pittsburgh. The Steelers seem to get in, no problem. Cowboys seem to get in, no problem. Raiders kind of stumble through the through the doors. Sometimes have to jump in the back door in, in the case of Stabler and, and, and Cliff Branch, but uh, there's still a lot of representation. That's the one thing I can say. Obviously, there's a lot of representation for the Raiders in the Hall of Fame as they had plenty of Hall of Fame players. So uh, are there some out there that should be in? Yeah, absolutely. Some that aren't in yet? Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I'm just glad that he's getting in. I, I wish that he was there to be able to soak it in as well. Uh, at some point this week, I don't know what day we'll play it, but I have an interview I did with Cliff Branch about not getting in the Hall of Fame and why he believed that he wasn't in the Hall of Fame. And unfortunately, I only got one interview with Cliff Branch uh, in my career. And I will admit right now that it wasn't the best interview I did. It was definitely early in my in my uh, sports radio career, but it was also uh, the studio that I was doing the interview in was not very good. So the, the sound quality isn't as good as I would like it to be, but I thought it was still a really good interview with Cliff Branch. So some point this week uh, we'll hear that. Uh, maybe we'll do it on Thursday. Maybe we'll do it on Saturday when we do the special show. I don't know. Some point. I'm going to bring it out, break it out, and, and let you hear that interview because it's great to hear from Cliff Branch, a guy who wanted to really be in the Hall of Fame, you know, and that was, it was funny, the way I got his contact number, 
my program director, David Smoke, uh, when I was at ESPN Central Texas, he came into me uh, into the studio one day during commercial break and said, hey, I got a job for you. I said, what's up? He said, Cliff Branch wants to talk about not being in the Hall of Fame. And I just looked at him and laughed. I was like, okay, whatever, dude. Like, Cliff Branch really wants to talk. about. He said, no, he does. He's, he wants to talk. And I told him that the guy for the job would be you. And so I thought, I said, oh, you're serious? He's like, yeah. And so he gave me the contact. And so I reached out to Cliff, and I couldn't get a hold of him. Like the first two weeks, three weeks of me trying to get a hold of Cliff, I could not get a hold of him. So I said, oh, well, I guess I'm just not going to get it. And I realized, then I thought, maybe it's not even his real number. You know, maybe, maybe you know, my program director is just pulling, pulling a, a joke on me and making me look silly, then that's fine. So I kind of forgot about it. And no joke, like two more weeks went by, and all of a sudden I got a text message from Cliff saying, hey, sorry I missed this. Um, do you have time to talk this afternoon? And I was like, oh, my gosh. Cliff Branch just reached out to me? Absolutely. So uh, that's why I was kind of on the spot and had to do the interview in a studio that wasn't great. It was our last studio. It was the only one. It was like the last line of defense. Like, hey, we don't have any room in any of these other studios. You can use that one down there. And I was like, oh, hell. And I didn't have my own stuff at, at my house yet or else I could have done that. But So I had to do it there. And, again, the, the sound quality wasn't as great as I'd like it to be. I'm a perfectionist when it comes to that. I really like the quality to be uh, A1. But it's still Cliff Branch. So sometime this week, I will get that, uh, that conversation here on the airwaves here on Radio Nation Radio 920. 433 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Thank you for the calls. Appreciate you. Got a bunch of texts I want to get to, and we'll definitely take some more of your calls, and we'll go over some Cover 3 NFL news and notes as we uh, start to wind it on down and close out this show on the Tuesday. It is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got about 20-something minutes left in today's show. Next show you'll hear will be live from Canton, Ohio. As we prepare for the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony on Saturday. Of course, the Raiders take on the Jaguars in the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. You can hear that right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy will be on the call. JT the Brick and Eric Allen will be on the pregame show. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, Our show should probably run, I would say, 1 to 3 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, So we'll kind of switch it up a little bit, and then JT will take over at 3. JT and Eric Allen will take over at 3 o'clock for the pregame leading up to the 5 p.m. kickoff against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So a little programming note right there. And then on Saturday from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., we'll also have the Hall of Fame special like we did a year ago uh, celebrating the life and times of Cliff Branch. And it'll be Cliff Branch, Cliff Branch, Cliff Branch all hour long uh, leading into the enshrinement ceremony that takes place at 9 a.m. our time. Noon Eastern, but 9 a.m., which is very early. But that's what they're doing this year, so we'll see how that goes, and that should be a whole lot of fun, and a lot of people will be in attendance, and we'll bring you back as much sights and sounds as possible here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Got some text messages I want to get to real quick. I also have a couple of little Cover 3 NFL news and notes that I want to get to, but Vegas Pete hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. He said, actually, the Raiders have been on a run lately in terms of the Hall of Fame. Hayes uh, will eventually get in, Plunkett, no. So that's from Vegas Pete. Doesn't think Jim Plunkett will ever get into the hall, but uh, does believe that Lester will. And uh, I'm hoping Lester gets in. He deserves to be in. I don't know when it's going to happen. I was thinking that he had a really good shot this upcoming year for next year, uh, but that didn't happen. So maybe the following year, maybe he'll be able to make that uh, seniors finalist list and then eventually get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, And, yeah, I mean, they've had a a decent run, kind of, sort of. I mean, I was surprised that – that this one happened with Cliff Branch, not that he didn't deserve it, but just was kind of surprised because it's been so many times that they've passed him up that he was actually going to uh, get that opportunity. But 
uh, here we are. So now we get to go back to the hall for the second year in a row. Uh, I'm not too sure when the very next time is going to be. But besides that, my only other time going to the hall uh, before last season was when LaDainian Tomlinson and Jerry Jones went in, and that's because I was in Central Texas. And the LT actually went to high school right around the corner from the radio station. And then, of course, Jerry Jones being the Cowboys uh, owner, he went in. And so it was kind of like a two-for-one deal for us. But really, we were there celebrating LaDainian Tomlinson, who I told at that very moment, I've told many times, uh, couldn't stand him when uh, he was playing against the Raiders because he was a Raider killer. But uh, that was a hell of a running back. And uh, I was happy to see him get into the Hall of Fame just because he's a genuinely good dude. You know, and he was a great player, and so he deserved to be in the hall. But, man, couldn't stand him when he was playing the Raiders because that dude was a killer. Swore he, he averaged like 400 yards a game against the Raiders. At least it felt like it. Uh, Vegas Pete also said, have fun in hot and sticky Ohio Q. I'm mostly looking forward to seeing how smooth plays get called in and who wins the backup quarterback job, also the linebackers. So that's a, that's a good one right there. Uh, I like that, and uh, I think right now the leader in the clubhouse for the backup quarterback job has got to be Jarrett Stidham, but I don't think it's by a lot. I think it's definitely a, a close race. Uh, there's days that Jarrett Stidham looks really good, and then there's other days that you say, well, that's why Jarrett Stidham hasn't taken that step forward. I mean, it's just it just kind of is what it is. He just can't stack a bunch of consistent days, and that's what it's all about in the NFL, and I guess that's the difference between being a backup and being a starter is you have to be able to stack consistent days when you're a starter. Backups, uh, apparently they don't, you know, they, well, we know that they don't do that very often is, sta- is stack up a bunch of consistency or else they'd probably be a starter somewhere. But, yeah, Jared Stidham, he'll make a throw, and you'll say, damn, now that's a pretty throw. And then the next play you'll say, who the hell was he throwing that to, right? And it just, that's just kind of what it is. And then Nick Mullins is – I mean, he's a, he's a good player. I think all of Raider Nation knows Nick Mullins and, and remembers what he's able to bring to the table and what he brought to the table against the Raiders in his first career start when he was a member of the 49ers. But uh, also, going back to consistency, you know you're just not going to get a consistent player when it comes to Nick Mullins. So uh, the good thing is that the Raiders are only auditioning these guys for their backup job. They're not auditioning them for a starting job. Uh, let's see. Got a couple more texts that I wanted to get to. Uh, Peg Leg Raiders said, Q, good luck with your travels, especially given your luck. Uh, I hate that I'm going to miss the Hall of Fame this year. Y'all make noise for me. The one thing I'll be watching during the game, simple. The trenches on both sides. That's from my guy, Peg Leg Raider. He's out there in San Antonio. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Got another text from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q&D. I'm going to keep it real. I'm so excited to see Derek Carr take the next step from a very good quarterback to elite here in 2022. I think it's very realistic that this happens as Derek will have guidance from new head coach McDaniels as well as having – a newly acquired Devontae Adams lined up on his side. The sky's the limit for Derek, and I'm really excited to watch him ball out. Let's not also forget Derek will have Renfro and Waller to throw to as well. If you can get excited for the potential of this office, uh, if you can get excited for the potential of this office, I'm just going to watch DeMond play basketball. <laughs> equally a good show. No, it's not. I mean, equally as good. <clears throat> no, no. People no. would pay to see that as well. Yeah. People would pay to see if you ever got on the court. <laughs> you got me choked up here. As bad as that sounds, jeez, that's terrible. Yeah, nobody's nobody's checking you out playing basketball. Uh, we got a text earlier from the 408. Who's been shining at the slot cornerback position? And I'll say, uh, outside of Nate Hobbs, I, I wouldn't say anybody's shining. I know, I know, uh, Vinny's been pretty high on the secondary, saying that you know there's been a lot of questions, including myself. I've questioned what the secondary is going to look like, just because there's guys that have some years in the league, but they don't have a lot of consistent play in the league. But he's been pretty high on them, thinking that they're going to actually be a lot better than what people expect. And that would be great. You know, again, Nate Hobbs is, is doing Nate Hobbs-type things. I think Rocky Sin is playing pretty well. 
Uh, obviously, without Trayvon Mullen out there, it's, it's going to be a big question. Uh, but there's there's other guys. You know, Anthony Averett, he was a guy that uh, was forced into action last season there in Baltimore. And, and, you know, he's got another opportunity to go out there. And it's funny, he met with us the other day. I can't remember if it was Saturday or if it was Friday, the end of last week. I don't remember what – no, Friday they were off. Maybe it was Thursday. He met with us one of these past few days. They all kind of, uh, you know, pile in together at some point. But – uh, what he was saying, and, and I forget who asked him, they said, hey, you know, you got a, a lot of targets thrown your way when you were in Baltimore. And he said, yeah, that was at the beginning of the season. Towards the end of the season, they didn't, they didn't throw the ball my way that much anymore. And it wasn't those exact words, but it was something to that effect. Basically saying, yeah, and the uh, team started realizing that I was a lot better than they thought uh, once, the, once the season kept going. And, he, look, he got an interception uh, against the Raiders in week one against Baltimore at Allegiant Stadium. So, I mean, the guy could play. Uh, that competition at the corner position is really going to be interesting. Uh, I do think that, that Nate Hobbs obviously is the leader in the clubhouse for the slot just because that's what he did last year, and he did it at a high level. But, you know, just, just me thinking outside the box, it would kind of be cool to see that dude just, you know, go after the number one wide receiver and say, hey, I'm, my job is to take this dude out. You know, and, of course, there's going to be balls that are going to be completed on everybody. I mean, that's just what kind of league it is. There's nobody who's going to shut someone out. It just won't happen. But it would be nice to see, you know, good on good. You know, just a guy that you know can really get it done being playing up against the best wide receivers on the opposing team and then feel like you have a really good shot. But, again, that's something that they're going to be putting together. They're working out, and they're doing that right now. So thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you, and I don't think I have any more texts to get to. So uh, with the last few minutes, DeMond, do I need to take a break, or can I just get into cover three? Cover three it is. All right, there it is. Let's go ahead and just jump into some cover three stuff. You don't even have to hit the sounder. It's okay. Uh, we'll just talk about a couple of things that are going on. Of course, the big news of the day is the NFL docking Miami, Miami and the tampering of Tom Brady and Sean Payton. Uh, the 2023rd first-round pick, 24 uh, third-round pick for violating the integrity of the game is how they called it. Uh, owner Stephen Ross also suspended through October 17th and fined $1.5 million. It's not a lot of money for a guy that's a billionaire. Uh, the investigation outcome Goodell says that there was unprecedented tampering as the team attempted to sign Tom Brady and Sean Payton. Uh, Goodell says there was no strategy to throw games, though. So they were, they were, you know, they were tampering with these guys, but they weren't trying to throw the games like uh, head coach Brian Flores had said. And again, like John McClain said when he joined us at 3 o'clock, the reason why that's in there is because if anyone thought that there was any kind of uh, tampering with the outcome of games with all the gambling money that's going into it now, uh, as we very well know, that would be a huge red flag, so they don't want that to get out there. So that was obviously the big news of the day. Yesterday, the big news of the day, and I hate to – well, we, we know besides Deshaun Watson, that was huge news, obviously. But uh, small little quick hitters from yesterday. Uh, Kyler Murray testing positive for COVID. I mentioned it on yesterday's show, and I just can't believe that everything that this dude's gone through throughout the course of – uh, this offseason from losing a playoff game and then his agent demanding a putting, basically putting a ransom letter out there saying that he needs to get paid to the way that he got paid to the clause in his contract being in there for film study, having the thing removed. And then all of a sudden, after all that's said and done, then the guy ends up with COVID. So he's been dealing with some issues, and Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach, said he'll be out at least five days. Also, Seahawks announced that Pete Carroll tested positive for COVID as well. They said he's experiencing mild symptoms and will participate in team meetings virtually. Today was a rough day for the Denver Broncos. Uh, both standout wide receiver Tim Patrick and Demaria Crockett, uh, the running back, went down with knee injuries. Both found out that they were torn ACLs. So Tim Patrick and running back Demaria Crockett are both done for the season there in Denver. And that's what it's all about. That's why when I asked John what he looks for in, in the Hall of Fame game or any preseason game, he says, hey, I just pay attention to hope that these guys don't get injured 
because nobody wants to see anybody injured in the preseason. The Raiders themselves have lost, lost a couple guys to season-ending injuries uh, and put them on the IR, so they're done. So, I mean, that's just how fast it happens, and that's why you've got to be able to stack as much talent as possible. That's why when I go back to talking about draft picks and missing out on first-round picks, you know, you get that extra year, and so you want to have – the cabinet as full of talent as possible. You want to try to obviously hit on as many as possible. Nobody's going to hit on every one of them. I mean, you just the guy sometimes looks like a great player and then turns out to get to the league and they're terrible. But it happens. You want to try to hit on it more often than not because you want to be able to stack the cupboard and have guys like an Anthony Averett in a pinch where, hey, man, this guy wasn't expected to be the starter. Everyone thought Marcus Peters was going to be the starter. Marcus Peters tears his ACL. Here goes Anthony Averitt to fill the to fill the void and do a pretty good job of it. That's what the Raiders need. They need to build up the cupboard where if one guy goes down, if a guy gets injured during the game, the guy that can go in for him is not a guy that you all of a sudden look up and be like, oh, no, he's in there. Like uh, uh, Dallin Levitt, right? Whenever you saw Dallin Levitt on the field, you're like, oh, hell. It's about, you know, this is all bad. But a lot of times he was in there because of one reason or the other, right? And nobody wanted to see that. You want to have confidence in the guys that are coming in after the starters. And so that's that's the key when it comes to uh, drafting and, and just building up the, the roster with a bunch of talented people. Uh, for the Chiefs, AFC West uh, division uh, rivals, obviously, of the Raiders, Orlando Brown Jr. reported back to uh, Chiefs camp. Matter of fact, he did that yesterday. Uh, he's signing the franchise tag, and he's going to play on He's basically going to bet on himself. He was holding out. He wasn't signing the franchise tag. He wanted a big monster deal. He didn't get the deal that he was looking for, so he's going to go ahead. He's going to play the one year on the franchise tag and hope to cash in on a big monster deal later. Matter of fact, uh, this is from RG3. He put this out on Twitter. He said, according to sources, Orlando Brown Jr. turned down the Chiefs' last offer of a six-year, $144 million contract with a $30.25 million signing bonus. There was a lack of security with no guarantee money after the first two years so that derailed any agreement uh, now Brown is going to bet on himself and he's a he's a really good offensive lineman you know he was a guy that he left uh, when he left Oklahoma I remember I was still in Central Texas then and I thought man this guy is going to be a hell of a draft pick and then also he went to the combine and he didn't show out at the underwear Olympics and so they docked him and started saying oh he's not going to be a very good player and the Baltimore Ravens were able to select him in the third round I mean, that's crazy that this dude is a first-round talent. They got him in the third round because he didn't do well at the Combine. It's just incredible. And then they end up trading him to Kansas City. Kansas City flips him, puts him on the left. That's where he wants to be because he wants to get that big-time money at the left tackle position. So he's there. They didn't give him the money that, that he's looking for. So he's going to go out and play this year, protect uh, Patrick Mahomes' blind side, and uh, hopefully for him, he's able to cash in in the offseason or else they'll probably hit him with the franchise tag again unless he negotiates not to get – that uh that franchise tag again so those are just a couple little notes that i wanted to scatter shoot real quick uh before we wrap up the show today i want to make sure i check through to make sure i don't i didn't miss anything debo samuel got paid as well that's kind of old news now three years 71.5 million dollar extension 58.1 million dollars guaranteed so the wide receivers continue to get paid all this was started by christian kirk <laughs> think about that think about that all the wide receivers getting paid all started with christian kirk he was the guy that uh, got the ball rolling, and then after that, everybody was ready to uh, get paid, including Devontae Adams, including Tyreek Hill, including uh, Stephon, uh, not Gilmore, um, 
What's his name now? I forgot. Oh, Diggs, Stephon Diggs, jeez, in uh, Buffalo, and, and a whole lot more. Zay Jones, hell, he got a nice little payday. Everyone's getting paid at that wide receiver position. At some point you think it's going to run out, but I don't know when. Hunter Renfro got a decent uh, contract for him, and he's going to have another, another opportunity to sign another deal in a couple of years as long as he keeps playing at the level that we all expect Hunter Renfro to continue to play at. So uh, that's all I got for you for, uh, for Cover 3 News and Notes of the Day, just kind of closing out the show on that and uh Damon, I'll go back to you uh what are, what are your thoughts on you know the depth charts being dropped you know you you heard a lot about uh different people's thoughts on who they'll be looking at uh what are you focusing in on uh come Thursday now that you've heard what everyone else has to say for me, it's going to be the receivers. I know that so many people with preseason and you see with the Broncos, you don't want players to get hurt. But there are going to be players that are out there, not just fighting for jobs, not those guys who are, you know, just trying to get on the roster. But guys are playing for playing time in the preseason as well. So just like that backup receiver role, whether it's going to be a, a Mac Hollins or a Tyron Johnson, just which one of those guys is going to be able to stand out? Because we say preseason doesn't matter. But if a guy has three catches, like, in, like they're all for touchdowns or something, that's going to impress coaches. You can yeah. still impress coaches in the preseason. No, you can. And, you know, it's funny. People say that preseason doesn't matter, but it does. And, you know, you could ask Derek Carr. I have brought this up before. Derek Carr won the starting job with the Raiders in preseason game number four, the game that nobody cares about, the only game that he started, and he was going up against Seattle. I remember it like it was yesterday, and I remember that very first drive, and he completed a couple balls. He threw a couple towards uh, Richard Sherman's way. And, I, look, I don't know how – tight of coverage Richard Sherman was trying to have. I don't even know why Richard Sherman was out there in the fourth preseason game, but he was. Derek Carr had a nice little opening drive, and right after that I said, man, if that dude ain't the starter for the Raiders, I don't know who is. And then he became the starter, and he hasn't turned back and looked back yet. So, yeah, the preseason games do matter. Uh, we just know that the way it is right now is that uh, teams want to protect their guys as much as possible. So they don't really get too much burn, but it's really a fine line. And we've talked about it quite, uh, quite a bit here on the show. We talked to Ed Graney about it yesterday uh, on the show. And it's just like this regime has got to let these guys play a little bit. They've got to be able to figure out, you know, get on the same page in a game setting at least a little bit before September 11th, before they square up against the, the Chargers in L.A. at SoFi Stadium. I mean, that, don't want, that, don't, that doesn't want to be – you don't want that to be their first opportunity out there going up against, you know, someone else. They've got to get a little bit of burn in the preseason. So we'll see how this new regime handles it, how Josh McDaniels navigates week to week and who he thinks needs to get some burn and who he thinks doesn't need to get some burn. I think that's what it's really going to ultimately be about. You know, what he sees in practice, what he sees in training camp, and then he says, okay – this, these guys need some work, or these guys need some, some game reps. Okay, let's go get these guys. That's how I think it's going to shake out. But, again, that's just me and my gut feeling. That's just me saying, uh, you know, how I feel like based off of what he has said that he's going to do. Now, he could totally switch things up. Uh, I, I'll tell you right now, uh, I questioned if we were going to have uh, good – access when Josh McDaniels got the job just because, you know, he's coming from New England and we know how everything's pretty buttoned up in New England. I thought it's been great so far. Everything has been really good as far as the coverage. Everything's been really good for what we've been able to see in training camp. And when he meets with us, he, his answers are very lengthy. He doesn't try to, you know, wrap up the presser in a minute or two. I mean, he, he gives us plenty of time. So uh, everything's been cool so far on the Raiders training camp front and with this new regime. And I think that uh, Raider Nation is really going to be pleased with the product they put out on the field in 2022. So that's going to do it for today's show. Make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate. Clay Baker, and I believe Adam Hill is going to be filling in as Vinny Bonsignor and Heidi Fang are be tra traveling. Uh, I'll be traveling late tonight, and uh, JT will be traveling as well. So we'll be all back here tomorrow on Raider Nation Radio 920 tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day.